Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 119, verses 169 through 176. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. My lips will will pour forth praise, because you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your promise, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek out your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Isaiah chapter 10, verses 12 through 20. When the word, when the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, He will punish the arrogant boasting of the king of Assyria and his haughty pride. For he says, By the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom. For I have understanding. I have removed the boundaries of peoples and have plundered their treasures. Like a bowl I have brought down those who sat on thrones. My hand was found like a nest, the wealth of the peoples. And as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken, so I have gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved a wing, or opened its mouth, or chirped. Shall the axe vaunt itself over the one who wields it, or the saw magnify itself against the one who handles it? As if a rod should raise the one who lifts it up, or as if a staff should lift up the one who is not wood. Therefore the Sovereign, the Lord of hosts, will send wasting sickness among his stout warriors, and under his glory a burning will be kindled, like the burning of fire. The light of Israel will become a fire, and his holy one a flame, and it will burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. The glory of his forest and his fruitful land the Lord will destroy, both soul and body, and it will be as when an invalid wastes away. The remnant of trees of his forest will be so few that a child can write them down. On that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on those who struck them, but will lean on the Lord the Holy One of Israel in truth. The Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 25 through 36. Now some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Is not this the man whom they are trying to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, but they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Messiah? Yet we know where this man is from, but when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he was teaching in the temple, You know me, and you know where I am from. I have not come on my own, but the one who has sent me is true, and you do not know him. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Then they tried to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him because his hour had not not come. Yet many in the crowd believed in him and were saying, When the Messiah comes, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering such things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. 
Jesus then said, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will search for me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? Good morning and welcome to the 15th Wednesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. Uh, I have to apologize. Yesterday, Tuesday morning, um, uh, there's another scheduling work kind of sorting out conundrum and I wasn't able to record. Um, This morning is actually being recorded last night. And as I say that, it is tonight. Um... I'm still trying to figure out my recording schedule in the midst of some career changes. Um, so I, I appreciate everybody continuing to listen and bear with me as I kind of figure out a pattern that works given my uh, given my life at the time. Um, if you would like to record uh, a reading, um, listen at the end for instructions or just reach out to me on social media. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 119. Isaiah 10 and John 7. Um, and there's something um, that I think uh, kind of illustrates uh, the place of the military um, and how it's become kind of confused, I suppose. Um, I, I think one of, the, one of the ways that the military is talked about on both sides of the aisle is as though um, all that the military does is kill people and break things. Now that is a partial truth at best. Um, but what it does do is illustrate that it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're from, you think that our military is a hammer and all we see and it sees are nails. And it's really unfortunate. Um, I, I think that's a, a myopic view of the goodness that the military um, you know, uh, stands for and is formed for, but um, as a as a an asset or a one subgroup within a community, it often takes this kind of outsized role in modernity, especially in America. Um, but I think in the last couple of hundred years, I think the nation state as a thing and the military as a thing um, have taken. A disproportionate amount of our imagination and attention, um, and the the society or the nation, if we imagine it as as having some kind of persona, the military is the axe, um, it is the rod, and in Isaiah, in the reading from Isaiah, we hear um, God, well, yeah, God speaking through Isaiah, shall the axe, the military, vaunt itself over the one who wields it being God, not the person, um, or the saw magnify itself against the one who handles it. In Joshua and Judges, um, especially in um, Joshua and the Exodus, where God is still more or less in control and the people are more or less obedient and um, properly ordered, I'll say. Um, In those cases, those who served, those who fought, you know, quote-unquote, the military, 
were nothing other than able-bodied adults, men and women. Deborah fought and commanded Sisera, and I'm sure there were women besides Jael who fought within the hosts or the companies or the armies of Israel. In those moments, in the way that the military should be, um, it became the axe that God wielded against Israel's enemy. God is the one who raises the rod. God is the, the one who lifts the staff uh, and wields the axe and handles the saw. That's the way it should be. And in the modern nation state, we think of ourselves as gods, and we think of our own nation as godly. Um, we all identify as Israel, um, even Israel, I think, uh, problematically, but let's keep it, uh, keep it lighter than that for now. Um, so in the way the military is supposed to be, not the pre-fall military, not the like per, in God's perfection military, but like the pragmatic, this is the way God works in a corrupt world, the military is an axe that God wields um, for God's people. God's people being the body and God, God's people being God, you know, that we Christians talk about the body of Christ. If we cast that backwards into the Hebrew scriptures, the body of Christ wields the axe. And the axe is the the godly, the just, the the well-ordered military. Unfortunately, as we get in in this verse, verse 15, we, the military, and we, the nation-state that thinks it controls the military— has vaunted itself over the axe uh, that should be wielded by God. We have magnified our own selves and our own state over the saw, um, and we think that you know it's us in control when we raise the rod or lift the staff. And this is a, a you know a a helpful illustration for anybody who's wondering why I've been talking recently about like what it means that the military might be good, what it means that the military has an ordained function and it doesn't necessarily include warfare. Um, and so this is a really important um, passage to think about what does it mean to be a Christian soldier and what does it mean for the Christian body, the body of Christ, to have weapons that it wields not necessarily against flesh and blood, but in our in the f- history of faith, the history that Christians claim to have been grafted onto, or at least Greek or um, Gentile Christians, this we do have this um, history or this example of what it means to um, have our axe be our axe and our saw be our saw, our rod be our rod and our staff be our staff, and not lift ourselves over it or vaunt ourselves over it or magnify ourselves over it um, to like think that the axe is more than the axe and to, th- and to not think that we are more than um, the person, uh, the body that wields the axe. Um, the, the necessary element, I think, one of the central cardinal virtues of the Christian community, I think, is humility. Um, and we've forgotten what it might look like to be humble but confident with the power that we wield, to borrow Eisenhower's use of, use of the phrase in his um, 
uh, farewell address. He talked about the military-industrial complex, um, but he also talked about how he prayed that America might be humble but confident with power, um, that we might not vaunt ourselves over the axe or the one who wields it or magnify ourselves over the saw or the one who handles it, that we might not, that we would not make ourselves out to be God, that we would not you know, be above accountability, that we would not um, wield these things recklessly or in the pursuit of our own self-interest. Um, there is a, a kernel, a, you know, a mustard seed of goodness in the form, the essential form of the military that we've forgotten um, that has more to do with being the faithful stewards of God's order. And that, I think, is what the military is about. It includes uh, law enforcement, you know, firefighting, medical, emergency medical, um, all these people, groups, services, units that provide for the good ordering and maintain the good ordering, the proper ordering, the just and peaceful ordering of the Christian society or, or the Christian community. Um, it's, it's difficult to see because of who we are and, and what we've been as Americans in history, but I think it's there. Um, and Isaiah has this warning uh, against you know, forgetting what it means to be the axe and not the person who wields it. You know, if we're a Christian soldier, if we're soldiers, like, you know, it's, we may not win. The point is not winning. The point is being faithful. Um, and so I think it's this, it, yeah, it's a, a, a helpful fourfold uh, verse uh, to remind us <clears throat> what we are and what we aren't, both as Christians and also for those of us who are Christian soldiers, um, you know, with a big S soldier, but also, you know, little s soldier, meaning like any member of the organized and recognized armed force, but also, I think, anybody who strives and fights um, for the faith and who identifies and understands uh, the weapons of spiritual warfare and um, all the rest as as being part and parcel to this fight and not just these you know, physical axes and saw, saws and rods and staffs. Prayer for those in the armed forces of our country from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, we commend to your gracious care in keeping all the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad. Defend them day by day with your heavenly grace. Strengthen them in their trials and temptations. Give them courage to face the perils which beset them, and grant them a sense of your abiding presence wherever they may be. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. 
Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.